This call may be recorded or transcribed. Mr. Sullivan. Mr. Jackson, I want to know with all these calls that are recorded and transmitted, exactly what does that mean? Hmm. You see, once these calls are recorded, they're digitized and they're ready for Cloudlandia. They're ah, ready for the world. Right. Well, mm -hmm. I'm feeling very ready for Cloudlandia. Are you? It's nice to be yes. back. Yeah. Have you had a wonderful uh, vacation? Yeah, we were at the cottage, and yeah. uh, and we had every other every kind of weather. Um, <laughs> all four seasons. Uh -huh. Yeah, all four seasons, uh, but uh, delightful. You know, I don't mind. Is your uh, construction project going yep. on? Yeah, it's finished. I mean, the oh, it uh, is. Oh, wow. Finishing the veranda. Yeah, it's completely finished and very nice. Uh, uh, it's funny. I we've lived in it for about six years, but we had this porch uh, because that um, <clears throat> they had created for the original log cabin house that mm -hmm. we've expanded and mm -hmm. uh, re renovated. But it was a, a useless porch. It was just a a bare porch, quite mm -hmm. uh, a lot of, you know, I mean, a lot of, uh, it had a lot of space on it, but it, you mm -hmm. wouldn't sit out there. And now that it's covered and it's got, uh, you know, very nice chairs, and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's got double, double screens. So we have screens yeah. that are permanent and then we have weather screens. Have you seen the weather screens? I have not. Uh -uh. Yeah. So. <clears throat> They're outside and they're rolled up at the top and then you press a button and then they come down on the track and okay, it gives yeah. you a double, it gives you a double screen. And so if it's raining straight in or it's snowing straight in, none of it comes through the screens. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, God bless America and Canada. Yeah. I See, mean, we had a uh, vision. We had a vision. Uh -huh. and, that, and that was a capability. And <laughs> now we've taken ourselves out of reach. <laughs> <laughs> Neither rain nor sleet nor snow could disturb your patio or porch yeah. endeavors. Yeah that's, yeah. Right. yeah, that's awesome. So, well, I love that. Mm -hmm. I yeah, just had that. Uh, I just was... Um, just before we got on the call here, I had a little taste. Last night, I had what I'm, I'm going to go ahead and claim it as the very best brisket I've ever put in my mouth last night <clears throat> from a local guy who, Big Daddy, who makes it, uh, you know, all right here, stays up all night making his uh, brisket and selling it from a pop up uh you know stand over here by Cypress Gardens Boulevard and it it was just so melt in your mouth good and flavorful and just one of the true delights of the mainland you can't get a good brisket in Cloudlandia you can only experience it on the mainland and that's one of the joys of being on the mainland you know it's important to point that out to people mhm mm 
That's it's true. You can't get a good brisket in Cloudlandia. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. uh my my sense is that once they get the trick of it, people who are going to take the greatest advantage of Cloudlandia are the people who were already taking the greatest advantage of the mainland. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly. I mean, that, and I think going back using, I think that this is, this was kind of my thought in my journal today. I was over at the coffee shop, uh, just sitting and, uh, having a nice coffee and, and thinking Cloudlandia mainland thoughts. And it was, it dawned on me, like I, I was looking at the distinctions between Cloudlandia and the mainland. And that there's, you know, you're really, there are some things that are completely separated from mm-hmm. each other. But it seems like the biggest, like, opportunities are the things that are the intersection of, the, mm-hmm. of Cloudlandia mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the mainland is using all the tools and um, advantages of Cloudlandia to serve and enhance your mainland business because mm-hmm. most of the time the people who have a mainland business are basically mainland centric in a way you know mm-hmm. like I was mm-hmm. thinking about what are the things that are uniquely and only mainland and you know there's there's some things like anything to do with your physical body that involves mm-hmm. touching it mm-hmm. or or it having the five senses it. yeah five exactly senses. eating and sandwiches whatever other getting, senses you know yeah. what other I mean, like balance. I mean, we have a yeah. It's never mentioned as the five uh, one of the five senses, but uh, uh-huh. balance certainly seems to be crucial. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I so mean, anything... it's never talked talked about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very interesting because I've had fascinating discussions with um, um, individuals who, when they die, are having their body preserved and cryogenically. Mm-hmm. But they don't really our do own, that. Uh, our own Joe Polish, yeah. Yeah, the, the, but the, the thing is that they're only saving the head and the spinal column. They're not uh, saving the entire body. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my point being, then, if they bring you back, then what? Uh, how do you sense things? Because uh, all mm-hmm. the, you know, the sensing organs you've removed, so if you're going to come back, at some point, they're going to resuscitate. And yeah. um, what what's the brain that comes back going to be using as input? As, right, uh, exactly. And how is it going to fuel it glucose and all of the yeah. things that it yeah. runs on? Right. How are you going yeah. to create glucose without a liver? And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and brisket. I mean, brisket. Uh, you say goodbye to brisket. <laughs> how are you going to taste your brisket? That's exactly it. <laughs> this is a no brisket. This is a no. You're setting yourself up for a no brisket future. That's that's, your, that's the thing. That would be that's one of the uh, almost something take, takes takes a lot of joy out of the expectation, doesn't oh, it? That, that is right. So yeah. that's kind of the thing. That was my uh, you know mm-hmm. observation that that's certainly one category is everything to do with uh, the care and servicing of our mm-hmm. meat 
meat robots. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really the the thing. Mm-hmm. Those are uh, because wherever your meat robot is, that's where you are. You know, kind of. Well, thing. and meat's attracted to meat. You know, meat's <laughs> right. looking for meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So that yeah. was. It's an interesting. I had a, it was an interesting thought to like channel my thinking toward those things. And I started to think about like all of those things, physical, like you can't really, it's hard to be a chiropractor or a dentist in Cloudlandia because mm-hmm. the teeth and the, the backs and necks are located in a, in a geography. And mm-hmm. I, it was really, uh, I was looking through the distinctions of, you know, uh, in, in Cloudlandia, the, uh, divisions are in time zones that's the only real mm-hmm. division mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. of access wherever you're calibrating to somebody's day or or night kind of thing mm-hmm. um so time zones are are the most uh instead of setting up in regions like mm-hmm. physically being located in the UK or in uh, China or wherever you can serve all of those markets through shifting time zones, not geography, which is kind of a, that's something that you've discovered being able to have Australia workshops by just shifting into being able to serve people in the time zone that's appropriate for mm-hmm. that side of the world, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, whereas mm-hmm. in, in the, uh, on the mainland, it's like a um, zoning in. There's far more kind of uh, distinctions, starting with your physical address, where you are. Like your, I guess you even go lower to that. Your your GPS coordinates, where your mm-hmm. iPhone can pinpoint you wherever you are on the planet, mm-hmm. uh, to your physical address to your street to your neighborhood your zip code your town your county your state you know all of those kind of varying telescopic you know view of geography and there's a really interesting thing Mm -hmm. of when you take all the you've got an opportunity even if you are an only local business to take all of the Cloudlandia elements and focus them only through that lens of this 15 mile radius of my Mm -hmm. podiatry practice that Mm -hmm. I could be as long as I'm internet famous (laughs) in that 15 mile radius that's the key I don't need to be as a podiatrist world famous you just need to be 15 mile famous you know, mm-hmm. and that, that I think is, that was what, that's, what's kind of exciting to me because that's yeah. kind of been my, <clears throat> my magic yeah. formula of syndication, you know, of finding, taking something that worked in Georgetown would equally work in the beaches, you know, mm-hmm. that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's been, yeah, uh, well, you created, uh, you created a, um, an overlay, um, yeah, a digital overlay, yeah, um, way back. I mean, we're talking uh-huh. probably uh, 
well before we you know started chatting i mean you had already mm-hmm. done this so that you could l- look at the beaches and mm-hmm. you 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 create a level of abstraction and the level of abstraction that you created was the different stages of home ownership that yep. a single person or a single let's say a couple a single couple would go through from let's say ages 20s through 80s okay mm-hmm. but but not go out of the geographic area of the beaches in other words that's uh, exactly right the six the 60 years would be all spent in the mainland reality of the um the beaches this is mm-hmm. a for those of you who are tuning in to um Welcome to Cloudlandia. Uh, um, <laughs> what we're referring to is the area of Toronto that I live in, and it's a beach community, and it's truly the only real beach community in Toronto because it's got mm-hmm. a beach and it's got a boardwalk, and mm-hmm. you have access, direct access to it. And the rest of the city is gradually getting there because um, it was very industrialized down right mm-hmm. on the lake and now gradually there's a movement probably in 25 years uh, i would say a good deal of the you know the industrialization industrial lands will be gone and they'll be converted what was, into what's residences the on the um uh on the google um smart city or, or whatever plans that they had for well that was Toronto. that was uh, voted down that was voted oh, okay. down uh, and uh, it was the requirements that Google had uh, that the people who lived there had to be connected to Google, and uh, and in, in other words, they had to be willing to be tracked and traced 24/7 by Google. Mm. So if they lived there, they were like mm-hmm. uh, a lab ex- a lab experiment, and. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they couldn't explain it well, why that was true. Why couldn't anyone live there? You know, because, you know, I mean, that and then they were saying that uh, we want the land for free because we're bringing so so much good to the city of Toronto. And they tried to make a convincing argument that wasn't a compelling offer. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that was on the land that was kind of between you and and the city center kind of thing, right? Was well, actually, it's, it uh, it's more specific. It's basically the area, um, uh, Cherry Street, uh, the Cherry Street that goes down into the the big industrial area. It's still a big industrial area. It's being converted now, but it's the shoreline right to Red Path, Red Path Sugar. You know, so mm-hmm. it's about you know, six, seven blocks. And mm-hmm. you know, highly prized real estate if it's cleared and it's uh, decontaminated because there's a lot of industrial waste right. that they have to take out of the soil, so they have to reprocess the soil. But in the end, Google overstepped and they they sort of said, "Well, you know, you, this will be famous in the world, so why don't you just give us the land and we'll do yeah. that." And, the one, the one um, um, phrase that just doesn't work in the city of Toronto is "You give us the land." <laughs> right. How about you give us the land? <laughs> <laughs> don't you realize what a powerhouse we are in Cloudlandia? Oh, Why don't you it, just 
give us this piece of mainland, you know. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's where that's where you can really really see the uh, the differentiation between the mainland uh, and uh, and uh, Godlandia when when it comes down to a square foot of yeah. land in in the city of Toronto. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, anyway, it didn't work, but but it's developing, and other concerns are going up. But um, um, if you came, you they they tore down the Gardner part. That when you make the turn on the Gardner to go north on the Don Valley, there mm-hmm. was an extension that went out to the beaches. Yeah, and they tore that down. And that's all been torn down. That's all been torn wow. down. That that uh, you know, it's quite a long stretch. And what they're doing now, um, from Cherry Street now to uh, Commissioners, let's say you're, you're going down to Commissioners, um, not really knowing how much you have an awareness because we see it every day, so we're pretty aware of mm-hmm. it. But they're putting in um, the brand new condo housing in that area now for about mm-hmm. 10,000 10, people. Wow. And it's it's like uh, probably the biggest project I've ever seen in the city of Toronto. It's just immense. Um, you know, it's um, you know, it's it's about two full um, industrial blocks uh, along the um, you know along the shoreline, and then it goes about four blocks in uh, down um, <clears throat> into the into the. It's like another. Um, that's all been cleared. That's all been cleared now. It's and like another extension of uh, city place or whatever they call that by the. Yeah, the and the other uh, thing is that area. they're they're creating a new channel for the Don River, so mm. they're they're obviously going to create like a Venice-like um, apparatus down there with a lot of bridges and everything. Oh my so goodness! A lot wow, of, a lot of people, a lot of people. Well, you're on the. You know, you're close to the inland waterway um, yeah. in, uh, in Florida, and the inland water, water, uh, you know, the inland um, um, sort of the waterway mm-hmm. in, in Florida, yeah. you know, which goes pretty well right up the whole length of the state. The whole perimeter, right? Uh huh. Yeah, proves that God loves real estate agents. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth, isn't it? Because you get three, so you get three. Front, but let's get another. Yeah, you get three beachfront where yeah. other people, where other people have one. Florida has three. That's yeah, exactly and, uh, right. Yeah. And, yeah. No, uh, the perimeter of Florida is is a wonderland. It's, yeah. it's such a. It's so amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, you know, there's the perfect example that all of that when you. You know that the other thing I you know the the other major category is the is where you physically live your home ownership everything around yeah. your physical dwelling in terms of mm-hmm. whether you're renting or or own and all of the maintenance and servicing and and um, things that go along with home ownership those are purely you know, uh, mainland businesses and, you know, the, but the good news is that once you, uh, you know, they're very, they're duplicatable, you know, that's kind mm-hmm. of the, it's the difference between scalable and, and duplicatable, like, a, a, mm-hmm. a primarily Cloudlandia business like, um, strategic coach, 
if you think if you take away the the physical workshops, the strategic coach, you know, Cloudlandia campus or division is really scalable. Scalable, right? Whereas yeah. the workshop model is duplicatable because mm-hmm. you've got the workshops and those are duplicatable in two ways through having other coaches teach the program mm-hmm. and other uh and people physically come into different locations that's yes. duplicatable right mm-hmm. yeah i was just looking uh, there was a thursday on the calendar i think it was sometime in july and i was just looking and there were eight workshops going that day and uh, uh wow right uh, five of them were physical were mainland and three of them were three of them were uh, cloudlandia workshops uh-huh. and it, it just it just struck me as interesting that mm-hmm. that was that was something that could happen in 2022 that wouldn't have happened in july of 2020 you know like uh, the the whole global virtual is what we call that part of the program that um, you can, you know, if you have coaches for the day, I mean, we're still restricted. We have to have a team on the Zoom call. We have to have mm-hmm. a coach on the Zoom call. And uh, so there's a certain amount of mainland organization that's required uh, mm-hmm. mainland. But, but it's uh, probably it's much easier to manage 100 people than yep. in, in on Cloudlandia workshops than it would be in person. That's a little bit of a bigger uh, thing, you know, but you can instantly yeah. divide people up into threes and fours and yeah, bring 200 them back. Is our, the... 200 is our upper limit yeah. uh, that we've established because you can have 50 breakout groups of four at 200. Okay. And, uh, and, and uh, you can't have more than 50 breakout groups right now on zoom. So I didn't know that. four, okay. uh, four, four really works. And, um, you know, and it's no more difficult to have um, 50 groups of four than to have five groups of four. That's the truth. That's exactly right. That's mm-hmm. kind of an interesting uh, dynamic, right? So that would, you'd say that that is, you know, four or five times the number of people that you'd have in a physical workshop. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. yeah. And that would be a good size mainland workshop. I mean, if you had 40. Yeah, yeah, forty. Uh-huh. That's a that's a really good. But you could do easily do that five five times with mm-hmm. uh, with uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's taking a while for everybody's minds to. I had the benefit. Think about. Con- con- I had the benefit of conferring with you every week or so on this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have no problem. You know, people say, well the in-person workshops are so much better. And I say, well, from a particular point of view, it, they are better. And mm-hmm. from another point of view, um, Zoom workshops are superior, you know. Absolutely. I said, well, just think about the economic. To, yeah. I just think about the economic impact of, mm-hmm. one, of one workshop. If you take a 50-person in-person workshop where 80% of the people are coming from somewhere other than Chicago or Toronto or London mm-hmm. or LA. 
mm-hmm. and having to fly to there, fly to the yeah. place. And so if you're thinking most of the people in our workshop are going to be either flying business class or flying their own plane into mm-hmm. the uh, thing or uh, and then hotel nights and the actual time margin of being able to be there for the thing because it's really the day before and all of that day and evening of the workshop at least for people um, and your physical location and the number of people and the food, the brisket, man, the brisket. You can't, you know, you, you don't, you don't have to serve brisket in Cloudlandia either. Um, mm. So it's kind of a, uh, although, you know, I, I spoke at one conference, which was pretty interesting. This was for a Remax uh, group in uh, Mississauga, actually. They had 500, uh, they have 500 agents, but they had their people, they did their summit uh, by in Zoom, uh, and they had set up with Uber uh, Eats to buy lunch for everybody on the uh, on the workshop. So they set mm-hmm. up a lunch time, but 30 minutes before the lunch break, they had a break and said, "We're going to take a 10 minute break, and we've forwarded you. Know, we've uh, you know texted your." Uh, coupon your your uh, code for uber eats that is good for the next uh 30 minutes or whatever so you can order your lunch right now and it will arrive as we're ready to take the lunch mm-hmm. break mm-hmm. and so the the code that this code was for anything that got ordered in the next 30 minutes and then it cut off and uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting use of, yep. uh, uh, you know, way of, of doing things. And uh, yep. so that was, uh, but that, again, the logistics of that, so much easier than uh, than physically having to cater something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, the thing is that um, when a capability is created, then different people see opportunities uh, uh, to it. And uh, by the way, I'm about two-thirds of the way, uh, actually 90% way through the book that you recommended, The Big Change. And how do you like it? Well, first of all, it's a beautifully written book. I mean, he's, really a, wonderful writer. he's a wonderful writer. And, yeah. uh, and uh, He's got a you whole know, series of them, too. He's got a whole series of yeah, books. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, uh, but, um, you know, from, from, from the standpoint of, um, amazing changes, and these are mainland changes, Mm -hmm. um, um, uh, and there were Cloudlandia changes too, because radio came in and television came in and uh, lots of uh, other things came in, but, uh, the, it would be, um, it would be a solid bet to say that there was more fundamental change between 1950, between 1900 and 1950, and between 1950 and the year 2000. 
the, the, the first, the former. Much I, I think famous. you could make. I think you could make a very solid case. <laughs> to, to actually... That was my. That was my assertion when we started looking at these yep. things, like all the things getting up to, because by 1950, let's call television the peak of the uh, you know content distribution, where we we you know between. Gutenberg, when print became distributable, mm-hmm. and there was the 400 years between Gutenberg and the phonograph. Mm-hmm. And That's then right. Right on the heels of the phonograph, you had the photograph and then the moving uh, images and then radio and then television. And telephone. And, tele- and telephone. And electricity. Yeah. yeah. All of those things converged to get us to 1950 where you could distribute print pictures audio video and you know over the airwaves right to a box in in everybody's house and then i have we we look at it really from 1950 to 1985 probably we had this homogenous experience that was only just the evolution of the application of those things. Like when you look at that television in, you know, as it between 1950 and, and 1960, the huge growth of the number of televisions that were, um, you know, in the United States at the time was, you know, almost, as, almost at the peak kind of thing, you know? And everybody mm. was watching the same shows. Everybody, I saw an infographic one time that showed, yeah, you know, in 1960 or 55, 58, whenever uh, I Love Lucy, I Love Lucy was the number one show on, on television and had mm-hmm. like 80 million viewers, right? Everybody mm-hmm. watched I Love Lucy. And then Gunsmoke was one of mm-hmm. those. And then uh, in the 80s, when cable kind of came onto board, you know, the Cosby show was the top show on television, but it had dropped to about 50 million mm-hmm. as the top show. By 2000, the number one show was American Idol and it had 30 million people. And then we tipped, then Cloudlandia came in and there's only three or four shows on television right now that get a dependable 10 million mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. So the, the, but the consumption, you know, of the streaming and all the, all the access to everything um, was unbelievable. And so I look at it that now those, the big change, if we take what the approach that, uh, for people listening to the book is the big change. America transforms itself 1900 to 1950 by Frederick Lewis Allen. And yeah. it was written in 1952 and is phenomenal. And that's what, that's the book that Dan and I are talking about. Here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I, I would say from, from, you know, the year from 1985 to, to 19 or to 2020, you know, 22, where we are 
right now, I would call 2020 as the big shift because mm-hmm. that's where everything became available that I would argue that going forward, we're, we're entering a period now where it could be 30 years of just the same, just the expansion of using the existing platforms that are available now, like everything, like it's not going to get, I don't know where, how it gets any better for any of the things that we look at as the staples of asynchronous communication, meaning books or print or text, audio, video, all of those things that we're at the point where it's basically you have access to everything ever written instantly on your smartphone, wherever you are. Uh Same thing with every song or minute of audio ever recorded is available at your fingertips just for summoning with your voice. Every Mm -hmm. song ever written. I could just yell you out know, to my thing, Alexa, play, you know, what's the first song you remember ever hoping came on the radio, Dan? I mean, when you back in your young days exploring the radio waves from, you know, Chicago or wherever you were tapping mm-hmm. into with your uh, exploring the world. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, it's late 40s and early 50s and it was, do you remember um, the song do you remember any songs that were like oh uh, yeah yeah what was I your mean, like I, I, I don't remember i don't remember a particular song but i remember a particular uh I've female a lovely bunch of coconuts <laughs> uh no it was joe stafford joe stafford okay. who had been a, a big band singer and okay. she was one of the few big band singers that successfully. Frank Sinatra was the first. Yeah. Frank Sinatra was the first uh, big band singer who then went solo and became bigger than the band. You know, that uh, you had uh, Frank Sinatra was the greatest first solo um, radio artist, um, recording artist and radio artist. Um, and that happened in the early 40s, early 40s. And he went out and did it. But uh, and, and the females, the, there were several. Uh, Joe Stafford was one. Doris Day was the second one. Um, yeah, Pat, Patty, I'm trying to think her name, Patty Page. So there was a yeah. whole series. And they started to really, really get big right around 1950. And then you had uh, the movement from rhythm and blues, um, uh, into rock and roll. Rock and roll really starts around 52. And yeah. uh, it started started in Cleveland, actually. That's why Cleveland's got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because a disc jockey uh, by the name of Alan Freed, um, there was a big, um, there was a big uh, um, event with a lot of different artists coming to Cleveland. And he said, we're going to, you come on down, we're going to rock and we're going to roll. And that's, that's captured, that's captured on um, recording that he said this and that, wow. uh, that was the birth of rock and roll. Yeah, it was spoken and that started in the, the I love play the that, birth uh, of story. The, uh, the witch? 
I love a good birth of story. That's yeah. a good well, thing. That's, a, know. that's, that's the first time. The first, uh, first time it was spoken, rock and roll. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, the, the play that uh, I've been, Babs and I have been participating in with Jeff Madoff, which is called Personality, is the story mm-hmm. of Lloyd Price. And mm-hmm. he's considered the first person who walked across the bridge uh, from rhythm and blues into um into this new world of rock and roll and uh the the whole point was it coincided with a technology called the 45 mm-hmm. uh, the, and uh, and all of a sudden the teenagers became the big market for the first time american teenagers became the big market for recorded music up until that time it had been an adult medium the baby and, boomers. Uh, yeah that was the yeah. first uh that was the first yeah. thing about the baby. And these boomers, wouldn't right? have been bad. These wouldn't have been these wouldn't have been boomers. These would have been my generation, which was the oh, okay. Uh, my generation my my generation is from 1928 to 1946. So I was born right at the end of it. But it would have been uh, it would have been individuals who were born in the 30s, um, okay. who became the first uh, you know the teenagers. If you were a teenager mm-hmm. in 1952, you were 14 years old, so you you'd been yeah. born in 1938. Okay. And but the other thing was is that he was the first black musician in the United States who had a white teenage audience. Mm. And this this was not only a you know a music revolution, but it was a social revolution. It was a political revolution. Mm. And so th- that. Um, that had a huge impact. Rock and roll had a huge impact socially and politically on the United States. Did you see the yeah. um, Did you see the Elvis movie, by the way? I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen it's it. Really it well good? done. Yeah, it's really well mm-hmm. done. I mean, it tells mm-hmm. a great story. Tom Hanks playing Colonel Parker. It's really that story is the collaboration mm-hmm. between Colonel Parker and, and Elvis. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was really it was neat to see kind of first hand what you're talking about there because that was you know the radio every you know getting on the radio but then people being able to see him on television shaking those yeah. hips dan yeah I he mean, was actually he was actually censored by and yeah. Sullivan that the camera angle couldn't be below yeah. the hips yeah <laughs> yeah but i can remember my uh i went to catholic grade school and high school and i remember the nuns uh, being alert to this and they said you don't you be watching this mm. uh, type of music don't you be listening oh to this goodness. type of music it leads to sin and uh, they were right it did <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so funny <laughs> but i will tell yeah. you from the book uh, the big change book it strikes me that if I had to pick one technology that changed America the most, it was the car. Yes. Yeah, mobility, right? That's the thing. Mobility, about the independence, country. independence, and mobility. Yeah. You know, and and I said, uh, <laughs> you got everything packed. You got about ten different uh, wants that are packed into one. Um, you know. You get to mm-hmm. get out of your town. You get to, to get away from your parents. You get to, you got your own private room on wheels. But mm-hmm. what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, an, and so it's an interesting thing when you look at what, uh, if we were taking this 
same thing if, if Frederick Lewis were of, alive right now and talked about the big change from 2000 to 2022, what would be the, uh, you know, and I, I think that it's access, right? Like I think. Yeah, it's the internet the, and, the, and probably yeah. the cell phone, uh, the cell phone yeah. and the internet there, the two drives. Yeah. And the thing, that he, he did a very good job of describing why Ford was such a big uh, pioneer and mm-hmm. he he talked about six or seven different technologies that mm-hmm. all merged at the time of uh, Henry Ford and his assembly line. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the other thing was the remarkable thing that Ford pulled off, which probably changed things uh, unbelievably, was that he kept lowering the price of the car but he kept increasing the salaries of him, his employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to get more, uh, create more people who could afford cars. It's, it's well, he wanted the people who made them, yeah. the people who made them to be the customers. And yeah. the other thing, he doesn't mention it, and I, I found it surprising that he didn't, but Henry Ford actually created the weekend because everybody mm-hmm. works six days a week. And he said, if they're working six days week a week, they aren't going to want to spend Sunday driving around. So right. he said, let's give them an extra day, uh-huh. and uh, and uh, we take their salaries higher and we give them an extra day. Yeah. Almost sounds like strategic coach, you know. It sounds uh, like make more <laughs> work less, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, take more free days, you'll make more money. And you know he for the rest of his life he had to try he had to walk around with bodyguards because the other manufacturers really wanted to do him in because he, he that his doubling the work uh, the work salary just really went right through industry and you know like every everybody said let's get in on this double salary and then give him an extra day off so yeah. you could say he's He's a pioneer in technology, but he changed things socially and politically. Yes. And economically. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, uh, it, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun thing. You know, that does sound like strategic coach. I had to realize that, you know, so many of the strategic coach tools, Dan, fit with this exploration I've been doing on Imagine if you applied yourself mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, I've been parsing, you know, if you, put, I, I, you, if, you, if you put the, the message that you got from your teachers and combine it with the message that I got from my teachers, we've got sort uh-huh. of a really, yours was imagine if he applied himself and uh-huh. mine was he has no respect for authority. All right. I love that. And those things. Actually, like, I think uh, the two, I think the two go together. In order to yeah. apply yourself, you have to have no respect for authority. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing where that's where, um, you know, I've been parsing out the individual words of that and looking at each of them as a, um, you know, a, a distinct thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, where the block is, and I think if you just take even the first thing, imagine is your ability to visualize a bigger future, a, a thing that mm-hmm. you, something that you like, the ability to even 
have a vision that's bigger than uh, or different than what your current situation is. Most mm-hmm. people, if you just if you just isolate that skill of being able to to think that way without filtering through logistics goggles or thinking, well, I don't have the money for that, or there's no, I don't have that, I don't have the skills for that, or whatever, just to, you know, I think about your book, Wanting What You Want, and mm-hmm. the whole idea of of getting, uh, you know, creating, that it's okay to allow yourself to think of vision, the skill of, of recognizing, but seeing a vision that regardless of whether it's within your current capabilities or not, uh, allow yourself to think un, you know, unencumbered with the limitations that you see of your, yourself right now is a big, is a big thing. And I, I think that a lot of people don't have that or they don't allow themselves yeah, the I think the, the, even you're, play at that level. Yeah, I, th- I think your second point is the operable one. Do I have permission to do this? Okay, yeah. because uh, there's physical constraints which are actually much easier to deal with than social yeah. constraints. Okay, because physical uh, restraints are outside of you, but social constraints yeah. are inside of you. You bought right. into somebody else. You know, and that's why I but, say uh, it's very, very important when you say I want this not to say because because the moment that you use the word because you're trying to justify it within the framework of what other people will uh, approve of what other people will allow you to do and uh, And if you take the first three imagine if and you and if Mm -hmm. being what you were saying there if is let's, let's separate completely the vision and let's spend our time imagining that anything mm-hmm. is possible without any constraints. If you, if you can see it, if you can have it kind of thing, what would that look like, right? Mm-hmm. Then the if is then what physically has to happen in order for the. Yeah, and then if you add yeah, so yeah. there's where you get into the who, not how. But Well, exactly, because the biggest constraint for the most part is you don't have the capabilities, you don't have the skills. You yeah. know, but if and you say, well, you, but who, not how, uh, yeah. who, not how, you know, because, the, where, uh, mm-hmm. because I think the, the biggest skill out of this whole thing that we're talking about is actually the skill of imagining something irregardless of whether other people are okay with that. Right. That's the thing, like Peter Diamandis, the vision of space travel, you know, of having a space uh, that can go and come back and go up again. That was like an outrageous vision. And you have, you know, there's no idea how to make that happen or who, do you need authority? Who needs who needs to give you permission to do that mm-hmm. or whatever? That opens up this whole other world of if, and then by creating the X prize, he gets all these other people engaged in figuring out the if for that vision. He just sets the vision. Here's the vision: we're going to have a spacecraft that can go into space 
come back, land, and next week do it again. That's the vision. And then not knowing how, that's the if of all of this. Mm-hmm. If, if mm-hmm. that's going to be true, and this, 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 and this, it's almost like a strategy school, Dan, where you think of mm-hmm. it's Voda, right? Vision, opposition, transformation, action. That's the well uh, with this imagine if. And then you is the self-awareness of what are your capabilities and strengths and the things that you you know, what, what are right in your go zone, your unique ability from this? And then, mm-hmm. yeah, applied is making the uh, decision. This is what we're going to move towards. Yeah. And then, yeah, and I, you know, and I, I just say this as a, a line I drop in the workshops. I said, you know, your future can be, be as big as you want it to be mm-hmm. if you're not if you're not the per- person to do the house. Right. You know, I mean, if the condition is that you have to do it, you have a very limited future. Are you there? Yeah, you cut out for a second. You said that you, yeah, can have, you cut the future out. can be as big as you want if you're, if you, if you're not the one that has to do it <laughs> do that do the house yeah yeah, yeah. Right. and people laugh at it and i say well i mean first of all compare where you are today with where you were 25 years ago in regard to having to do the house how many of the house have been totally taken care of now 25 years later that you yeah. can plan much bigger because you know you have the you have the capabilities available to you to do that without you having to do it yeah yeah. And my and my sense this is where the great inequality is on the planet, you know. I've been I've been uh, there's this tension, you know, about all people being created equal. Mm. And um and my feeling is that it's a um it's a speculative it's a speculative equality. Um mm. and, and what I mean by that, if you played the game right and if you used your if you use your mind in a certain way, uh, uh, you're not really restrained or constrained by any um, any particular obstacle. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. born in the wrong part of the planet and you can't do it there, you can imagine that you could live in another part of the planet. It's so mm-hmm. funny. I was watching Bill Maher, as Bill Maher, who I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt if we've ever gone into the voting booth and voted the same party in our life, but I really enjoy uh, talking to him uh, or listening to him. And he said that he found going to Florida and being in Florida for a month was the freest he's ever felt as a U.S. citizen. How oh, interesting. Yeah, he says incredibly freer than New York City, incredibly freer than La, Los Angeles and Hollywood, he said. Mm-hmm. He said people can come to Florida with the biggest possible dreams, and mm-hmm. you know, you can go from there. Mm-hmm. And that's where I see the real competition going forward now. Is the states uh, yeah. are in the United States are going to become hyper competitive with each other in terms of who provides the most freedom. 
Mm-hmm. As our countries, I think, like you look at now, uh, Estonia, for instance, reshaping themselves as kind of a digital uh, mm-hmm. citizenship, you know, where they're gathering people who are yeah. kind of yeah. world citizens, digital uh, nomads, and allowing, creating an opportunity for people to have digital citizenship. Yep. That's a, yep. you know. Yep, yep, yep. It's an experiment, you know. It's, yeah. Um, it's an experiment, but it's all, I mean, all experiments, if they are successful, start with the notion of greater freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. I heard somebody say, talking about, uh, you know, the thing of the, where people are uh, trying to get off the grid, uh, you know, kind of thing, people who are afraid of the, um, you know, the digitization of, of the world, the surveillance state and, you know, everything being um, localized, you know, um, that their temptation to try and get off the grid and their counter to that is getting on as many grids as they can. <laughs> like yeah. having, getting, having 15 driver's licenses and having different citizenships and residences and you know banking being in different banking systems and you know being completely like just shiftable within the grander uh you know global context yeah and the one thing i tell people don't forget about cash always make sure you have lots of cash you know i've got it was so funny babs was going to yorkville yesterday and she said um do you have any cash? And I said, right, uh, right, just stand right here. I'll be right back. <clears throat> and I've got about five different ATM spots in the house where I keep cash. And I came back. <laughs> ATM and I, spots, and, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And I had I had twenty brand new twenties, and I gave her. I said, "Will this do, madam?" And she uh-huh. said, "Yes." And I said, uh, "Do you need a receipt?" Uh huh. <laughs> do you need That's a receipt? Funny. She Stay says, right oh, here. And close your eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this will be this 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 will be fine. And yeah. I said, you know, actually, one of the explanations for the underemployment factor there. So there's big underemployment factor in the states right now. You know that it's just really really hard to get workers. But that doesn't mean that people aren't working. They're not working in a way that their payment shows up on the grid. Yeah. And my feeling is that the amount of cash in play right now since COVID started it has probably taken the, the I'll, I'll use the U.S. as the example. It's taken the U.S. back to how much of the economy was in cash five years ago or 10 years ago. That hmm. uh, There's just an enormous amount of cash in play. And, Do you, think you know, the trades more, like well, yeah. yeah, more more so than ever. And they're just not showing up as being employed, you know, Mm. and, um, you know, um, uh, you know, skilled trades, for example, plumbing, carpentry, electricians. I bet there's an enormous amount of cash trade and they have people who work 10 hours, 15 hours and agreed on cash payment. And it's less Mm -hmm. than if they were being paid, but Mm -hmm. no tax, no tax. They're not being regulated, you know. 
Right, and so right. my sense is that once something is created, it won't go away. It'll just be used in more um, highly specific and highly strategic ways. You know, in other words, that. Um, so I always say, don't get caught short on cash. You know, make sure yeah. you have tons of cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people say, cash? I don't. I've never used cash. And I said, then. They've got a complete picture of everything you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But it's endless what we're talking about here. Um, you know, here's a really good example of the difference between Cloudland and Mainland. Yep. So for years now, since 9-11, okay, so that's 21 years ago, um, they they knew that there were two Al-Qaeda leaders. One of them was Osama bin Laden, and the other one was Zawari, okay? And this Zawari was this mysterious guy in the background, okay? So then they go after Osama bin Laden because he he was the big mouth, you know, the big mouth who uh, talked about everything, and they they caught up with him in Pakistan, you know, living... Yeah, you know, living in his own compound, and yeah. obviously the, the the government there knew that he was there. But uh, last Saturday night, they caught up with Zawari. Okay, so here's a good example of the difference between oh, uh, the that. difference. Yeah, so he was in Kabul in Afghanistan, and he was living in the wealthiest part of the city. I don't know when he arrived there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, he decides to go out and stand on the balcony of his house, which was, uh, you know, um, an affluent, affluent home. Mm-hmm. And a predator drone, predator drone at about 40,000 feet spots him. And they send a missile that's not an explosive missile. It's a meat grinder missile. <laughs> and what's so- a meat grinder missile? Yeah, what it does, it's just got, it's got like, um, uh, it's, it's like got six Ginzu knives that just uh-huh. rotate very, very rapidly. And so what it does, there's no collateral damage. The the building, uh, I mean, it put a hole okay. in the roof of the balcony and yeah. there was a hole in the balcony where he used to be. And then there's uh, remnants of skin and flesh and blood. And they just, okay. he, he, it just, Turns him to ground. He disintegrated. Beef. Okay. He disintegrated his ground. There was just a pink mess uh, wow. after he was killed. And I, I say that's a perfect example because all the work up until then to spot him was probably done in Cloudlandia. Yeah. The missile missile itself was pure mainland. Right. Boy, that is something. I mean, you know, wow. I had no idea that happened. That was just. Yeah, because they get bad name because if they send an explosive, it knocks out the house, it it wrecks the neighborhood, it kills 30 or 40 other people who are plausibly innocent. And here, they just just took him out. They just took him out. Vaporized him. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a way where there's a coordinate. Obviously, there was probably local people who saw him who are in the know and they sent the message on but then the actual spotting of him and everything else um and and uh the afghans were afghans you know they're they were saying we had no idea he was there and i said well you know whatever 
whether whether you did or not, he isn't there anymore. So anyway, but what it does, it sort of sends you a, a message, you know, if you're a person that might be on the outs with the United States, you got to watch which balconies you walk out on. Yeah, time exactly. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But but that's kind of an example of mixing the two worlds. Yes. I wondered, I was thinking when you were talking about, you know, you, you mentioned July 2020 is when you did the first sort of virtual. Uh, yeah. Once. I wonder yeah. if if COVID had only been that one loop of we were, uh, you know, everybody stayed in and we flattened the curve and it went away. Whether you would have still pursued or gone down that path of of Zoom workshops or virtual workshops, or whether the world would have been as ready for that. Yeah, I think it's the really... latter statement. I think the latter statement is the actual uh, key one. Is mm-hmm. that Zoom? really worked because the world had adapted it. It wasn't because we had adapted it. Right. Yeah, that's the truth. I that's mean, you knew how to use it. Zoom. You, yeah. you knew how to use Zoom. I knew yeah. how to use Zoom. Uh, right. There was no learning on our part. We knew how to use right. Zoom. It's just that yeah. nobody was at the other end. Right. That's right. <laughs> it's like being the only, <laughs> we're like the only two people with a fax machine, faxing each other. Yeah. 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 After, after, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd send her a fax. Anything original today, Dean? <laughs> no, I got to think. <laughs> I got to think about it. Okay, well, That's let exactly. me know when you do. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, Metcalf's law. You know, the economic value of a electronic medium is the number of connected users squared. Yeah. So if you have if you have two, it's Two times two, it's four. That's uh-huh. the economic value. If it's two million, it's two million times two million, which is a really big number. Mm-hmm. That's something. All right. Well, I'll have some exciting things to talk about because I'm going on Peter Diamandis's deep dive into medical science this week. So we. That's right. <clears throat> Where is it this year? We go to San, Fran- San Francisco. We go start on Tuesday morning and we finish off on Sunday night. So it's six days. Yeah, and maybe San you're uh, in San Diego. Maybe that uh, your, your jet buddy might uh, close you. Oh, he's there. Uh, that's what I'm saying. No, he no, he's, uh, he's fine. He's fine us from San Francisco to San Diego. Yeah. So right. We're going. Yeah. That's what I mean. And yeah. while he's there, he might close you on the, uh, needing it from uh, Toronto to Chicago. <laughs> I got a feeling I'll close him before he closes me. <laughs> okay, there you go. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dan, yeah, so, that so, we're, uh, so we're not on next week. And, uh, no, but two I, weeks, weeks from now. Perfect. Yeah. Look okay. forward to it. Okay. Okay, bye. Thanks, bye. Bye. <laughs>